Hi everyone, it's Zoe and Neil from U Studio here for another podcast on podcasting episode where we hope to inspire you to create and grow your own corporate podcast from tips from the pros. So for this episode, I think a lot of individuals get worried that recording and producing a private podcast seems overwhelming and and maybe it's more trouble than it's worth. But today we are joined by some experts in the space to speak on that myth. Jacob Bozarth and Caleb Hill. They're here from Resonate Recordings. So guys, thank you so much for being here today. I hope you're having a great Tuesday. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, really, really glad to be on here. Appreciate you guys having us. I know you both are really so knowledgeable in quality audio and what that means. So how about just to start off, introduce yourself and just expand on your background in audio and podcast production. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Jacob. I founded Resonate Recordings back in 2014. And I actually went to school for audio in the Nashville area. My degree is actually a Bachelor of Science in Recording. And to be honest, before I went to get that degree, I didn't even realize that existed. Yeah, so I guess just a little bit about kind of how Resonate started coming out of school. Really, I started listening, becoming an avid podcast listener And realized that there were a lot of podcasts out there that I really enjoyed listening to that frankly suffered from poor audio quality. And so Resonate kind of started actually out of a selfish desire of me wanting to help those shows sound better. And so I reached out to a couple of hit podcasts that I enjoyed listening to. And one of them got back with me and they had about 300,000 listeners at the time. It was actually an investigative true crime podcast. They helped solve an 11-year-old cold case. And we had an ad in their podcast and kind of overnight, they went from about 300,000 listens per episode to well over a million. And so that really helped resonate, take off and grow significantly from there. Awesome. So it sounds like you've been an avid podcast listener for a very long time. What does podcasting mean to you and why do you think it is such an impactful medium for communication? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, I'll say for me, I've I've been, always been an avid or enjoyed audio in general and listening to audio. And so I think one of the things about podcasting and one of the reasons why it is such a powerful tool and why I really in, enjoy it is I think listeners really feel a, a deep sense of engagement with spoken word audio specifically. I know whenever I listen to a podcast, it feels like it's just me and the host and what they have to say, the story that they're sharing And so for me specifically, I feel like I'm a part of the journey that they're on whenever I listen to a podcast. And and so I think a lot of listeners feel that same way. They feel a deep sense of connection. They feel like they're a part of that podcast, a part of the story. And so I think it it has a great sense of engagement. I'll just add on to that real quick in, in regards to that sense of engagement and that deep connection. Long before joining Resonate Recordings, I was in love and still am in love with the show, How I Built This with Guy Raz and NPR. And he tells story or he interviews people about them finding their companies and their businesses. And the way that they tell the stories and obviously the way that he interviews them is fascinating. But I get so engaged and so engrossed in their stories. Number one, it makes me want to go out and (laughs) start a business of my own. But number two, I have so many times went out and bought their products because I've heard what has gone into the blood, sweat, and tears of building that business. And then I also hear about the quality that they're putting in their products. 
And so that connection and that engagement, I think, is a huge factor. And it, it literally has caused me to want to go buy these products that these business owners have founded because I hear what they've put into these things and I want to kind of reward them for that. So I think that's a hugely important point. Yeah, of course. And and I know majority of our conversation today will be a lot about those production aspects. But at the end of the day, I mean, I think no amount of equipment or editing is going to save a bad story from being a bad story. Would you guys agree with that statement? A hundred percent. Yeah. And I think vice versa, you know, no matter how good your quality is right on either side, like they both have to be present. I think they're both really important. And if one's missing, if the audio quality is poor or if the content is poor, right, that's obviously not going to create a great podcast. Whereas I think both of those really need to be present in order to really allow your content to shine. And so I think they're both supporting pieces that are very important. Yeah, definitely finding the medium. Both are definitely important. (laughs) So within your roles at Resonate, I know you both are exposed to many different types of podcasts. I mean, you help out clients from all industries, it sounds like, whether that's consumer podcasts or private podcasts. You guys have even helped us out editing a few episodes, which has been great. So yeah, you're exposed to episodes that cover all types of formats, length, stories, purposes, etc. And when it's time to listen to an episode or it's time to sit down and edit to a piece of content, what are those things that really stand out to you that you've experienced throughout your your many years of listening to podcasts? I think one of the more important things is obviously recording a quality audio file, right? Clean and clear and as professional as it can. And I think that kind of starts with making sure you have the correct equipment, and that you know your equipment, that it sounds well. Also, I think it's knowing kind of what's the end goal. So what are the supporting pieces that really need to come together to accomplish, I guess, the end product that you want it to be? So whether it's additional sound design or music that supports the dialogue or additional voiceover pieces that may need to be present. So I think really knowing what's the end goal of the editing, right, or of the production, and that really informs how that is treated. Right. So I think there are a lot of factors that could potentially influence production based on like the type of show you're making. As you're saying, your end goal can influence a lot of different things. So for example, for like equipment, how can equipment vary based on the type of podcast you're producing? Yeah, that's a good question and a question that we're asked often about what type of equipment. I think it really depends on the format, right? Whether it's an interview style podcast or whether it's more of a storytelling style podcast can really depend on what the equipment you need. One thing that I always recommend is just keep it simple. There's a lot of conflicting information and good and bad advice out there on what's the best equipment. And I think it really varies depending on your environment. Again, is it going to be a remote recording like we're doing right now? We recommend like the USB microphones are, are very affordable way to get into it. The Audio-Technica ATR2100 is a popular one. Also, the Samson Q2U is another one. We really like those. They're very affordable. They're under $100, and they can give you a great-sounding, just simple dialogue track. Whereas if if you're out in the field doing in-person interviews, you may need something like a Zoom H6 with another microphone to plug in, whether it's like a shotgun-style microphone or just a simple dynamic handheld microphone. 
So yeah, it really kind of depends on your environment. There's a lot of (laughs) good equipment out there and there's a lot of new equipment as well. And so I would say really the most important thing is, is knowing your equipment well and knowing how to use it, doing test recordings. I think that's really important. And also everybody's voice is unique. So there's not a one size fits all, even though we recommend specific microphones. Sometimes you just have to try it out. It may sound great on your voice. You may not like how it makes your voice sound. So I would just say, find what fits and what works best for you. And don't be afraid to test out several different mics. Yeah. And you briefly spoke on podcasting remotely. And I know we are in in an interesting time and people around the world are working from home. So is there any tips or anything you guys recommend for recording remotely? And maybe does the software or equipment differ whether they're producing a solo show or with multiple hosts? Just how easy is that to do at home? Yeah, that's a great question (laughs) and one that we're being asked. I know Caleb gets that question a lot. Some of our clients or a lot of our clients are actually using Zoom and turning their Zoom meetings and their Zoom interviews into a podcast and that can work great. There's a couple other platforms, one we're using right now called Zencaster that's specifically built for remote podcast recording and also Squadcast. And the benefit of using one of those platforms is they essentially record your audio locally and then upload the files once you're done. So it's going to be a higher quality audio track than Zoom or than Skype or than a phone call recording. But if you're, you know, if you're not doing interviews and it's just a solo podcast, I would say we actually built just a an online kind of recorder as well that's for individuals. They can record that. Or you can just record using like QuickTime on your computer. Or if you have an audio interface, you can record into any type of audio software or even a Zoom handheld recorder. You can record directly into that. So yeah, I actually prefer Squadcast because they have a video element and I really like that you can see your guest and also the team over there. They're really responsive and their support has been really helpful when doing remote recordings, which I know can be really helpful, especially if you have any issues or your guests have issues getting on. Yeah. What about just like a cell phone? Have you, do you have any thoughts or opinions on people recording through their phone? Yeah. You know, sometimes that is required. We've had several clients that have higher profile guests that they're bringing on and they're not going to go to the trouble of clicking a Zencaster link or a Squadcast link or setting up a USB microphone. And so you need to be able to capture high quality phone call recordings if that exists. And I, I think one of the things about phone call recordings to keep in mind is that most of the time your audience is very forgiving of a phone call recording. They hear it and they know, okay, this was recorded on a phone call. So it's going to have a different sound than a standard style interview or standard style recording. And I think that's okay. I would encourage the host to still record their audio locally and to maintain that kind of high quality professional sound voiceover for the host. We have a tutorial on actually how to, there's like a cable that's like $6 on Amazon with an adapter that you can direct grab the output from your cell phone and plug it into like a, a Zoom H6 or an audio interface and record. In our experience, that's been my preferred way to record phone calls. There's one other way that I've used in the past, and it's basically using Skype to phone. So Skype gives you a phone account and you can do outbound calls or inbound calls through Skype. And then we actually use a platform called Audio Hijack to record the output of Skype locally on the computer. So it's a little bit more complex than the phone call 
recording. And then if you don't feel comfortable using one of those, there's one other thing called tape a call that I wouldn't necessarily endorse, but it can work, right? And I've done it before. And in kind of a last resort, if you need to record a phone call, by all means, tape a call can work and, and you can understand that. And so I think the most important thing with phone call recordings It's just that it's clear and that the audience and your listener can understand what the person you're interviewing is saying clearly. (laughs) And I think that's important. And we we do some things in post-production to try to clean up background noise and make it more understandable in the phone call recordings. Nice. Yeah. And the the tools you recommended, a lot of people already have Skype subscriptions and things like that. So I think there's a lot of tools out there that people already have access to that they don't realize can be utilized in this way. And also just the idea of how you mentioned Zoom. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of company meetings or all hands that are taking place through Zoom. And I think those are examples of many different great assets that can be turned into a podcast episode for a company. I mean, I think a lot of times companies stress about the ability to produce consistent content when a lot of times they can just look at what they've already produced or what important communications are in the queue and it can actually be a great topic for a podcast. Zoe, I just wanted to chime in real quick. I didn't want to forget to touch base on a question you asked earlier too about recording from home. And so what does it look like to capture a good recording in your home environment? And yes, a USB mic is important. And yes, headphones help. But setting up a, as best possible an environment as possible. And so can you be in a carpeted room as opposed to your wood floor in your dining room with your wooden table? That would help immensely. It's not too far stretched to think even in these times to go into your closet and record. You've got your hanging clothes and your carpet. And so that's going to really deaden the sound. And so, or if you're by a, by a window, close your uh, curtains, just the fabric of the curtains is going to help with the acoustics. And so some of these simple little things, even being in a bedroom, you've got all your bedding and your pillows that's going to soak up a lot of sound. And so, yeah, I just want to encourage people out there. You don't need to be in a professional studio to capture good audio. There's some good DIY, simple DIY tips and tricks and hacks to make sure you get a good recording at home. So I didn't want to skip over that one. So, No, yeah. Thank you so much. It's funny, even earlier today, I was thinking, you know, I'm home right now. So where should I set up my podcast space and did a lot of walking around to try and visualize where would sound best. So, (laughs) well, I'd also be interested to hear if you guys have any opinions on any current trends that are taking place, or if you're seeing any trends, especially maybe in the private podcasting space, if you know the client that you are working with, if it's an internal episode, but if there's anything that is new but that you are starting to see pretty frequently. And that can be either on the production side or the content side. I'm just interested to hear what you guys are seeing over at Resonate. Yeah, you actually were getting ready to dive into this just a few minutes ago with with regards to, you know, you were saying a lot of companies are now using Zoom software to host meetings and, and webinars. And probably at least multiple times a day, I'm getting calls from companies of, hey, we're hosting these meetings and these webinars on Zoom. Is there anything we can do to turn these into podcasts? And ironically, back in June, really before COVID got pretty prominent or, or dominant over the over the airwaves and caused people to go remotely, we actually released a blog post that was titled, How to Use Zoom to Record a Podcast. <laughs> and 
thanks to SEO, our phone has been ringing off the hook because everybody has been Googling Zoom and podcasts and remote recordings and webinars. And so that's a huge uptick I see now is, like I said, a lot of companies call and say, hey, Caleb, how do we take these recordings we're already doing? And, and Zoe, to your point earlier, guys, you don't need to reinvent the content wheel here. You're already having these meetings, whether you're interviewing employees or whether you're having a meeting with your sales team, or maybe you're, you're having a meeting with your client or interviewing your client. That right there could be a great podcast. And you're already, all you got to do is do a couple simple settings on Zoom and click record and then send it to us or send it to another editing company where they can really polish it up and and make it into a a really good polished podcast. So I'd say that's one trend that's really, really growing and increasing. The other thing too is just the idea of companies looking to tell their story and get their message out with a higher level of excellence. And so you've got these larger corporations that brand is important, image is important, and then to what we talked about earlier, audio quality is extremely important. When you're trying to say a message and you're commanding somebody to listen to that for 30 or 40 minutes with their ears, it's got to sound as great as possible. And so one example of that is we're actually currently working with a large multi-billion dollar international company that they're investing a lot of money into making an engaging storytelling style podcast because they don't just want their employees to listen to drab, boring content, knowing that if that's the case, they're not going to engage with it and they're not going to learn from it. So they realize that they can position a podcast to be a powerful communication tool that will get them the results they're looking for, especially with employee engagement. So overall, I think the bar is getting set higher and higher and pushing people to be more creative in their podcasting. And this makes sense. And like I said earlier, if you're demanding people's time and attention and, and really their ears, They need to be rewarded and feel rewarded by having great content that is thoughtful and creative, but again, that also from an audio quality perspective sounds amazing. So just a couple of the trends we see in the past few months. And when you say quality audio, what do you mean? What are those characteristics to describe a piece of audio that is high quality? Yeah. So you could have a sales manager who's has a sales meeting with his with his sales team and that sales manager could send out an email or even just read a newsletter or a sales training piece to his sales team. And even just him just by using better voice inflections and by using a microphone, those are just some very simple things that will drastically improve it. But then you add in sound design, sound effects, and intro music and outro music. And you think about any other communication medium, you know, with TVs or commercials or or visual, they add all the post-production side of things to that to make it more appealing and entertaining. But also, you're trying to train somebody or you're trying to get somebody to listen to your message. And so that's what we mean by making a quality audio piece. And then the editing side of things, really polishing it up. So even in this recording, I might say um a lot or and a lot and use repeater words or filler words. So we can take all those out and really polish it up from a listening perspective. We're not going to take away from the original message and we're not going to take out important content, but we are going to help you really have that be a solid sounding piece. But it really, the, the important thing is because then that will help people engage in your message and listen to your message. So... I'll just add one thing to that and kind of my philosophy on great audio 
quality and great audio is, you know, I, I think great audio should not be noticed. You know, if your listeners are like distracted by the quality of audio, your podcast just probably probably does not have great audio quality. And so in the past, like I've, for example, one example is I've engineered sound for some live events. And the goal of that is for the audience not to notice you, right? For there to not be any feedback or anything like that or distortion. If the sound engineer, if you're hearing those things and you notice that they're there, they're not doing a good job. And so I think same thing with audio, with podcasting and good audio quality, great audio quality is the goal is to enhance and support the content and really to not take away from it or distract from the content. And so clean and clear and balanced dialogue, I think, can go a really long way if, if it's clear, understandable, and it's distraction-free. It sounds like the person's talking to you in the same room and it doesn't sound muffled or echoey or anything like that. That can go a really long way. Thank you. Yeah, I know I personally will turn off a podcast faster if, you know, it doesn't sound as great. And I like how you mentioned the thing about filler words. And for anyone listening, if they realize I haven't said any filler words, they know this is edited because (laughs) I say a lot of them. Let's see. So thankfully, we have great resources and companies like you guys to help us with podcast production. And When someone is thinking about building a team internally within their company to work on this podcast, how essential do you think it is to have someone focused on production within a company? Because I think a lot of people stress about the production side of podcasting. And as far as what you've said, working with Skype to record audio, using tools like Zencaster that we're using right now, I mean... It seems like it's a lot easier than some people might think. So so what is your, when people ask you about people who should be involved or podcasting teams, what guidance do you usually give them? Yeah, I'll, I'll take a stab at that because I've actually had some calls recently where that's almost been one of their hesitations of getting into podcasting because they're, they're not sure what all is involved. But then I've had other calls where They're kind of like, you know, Caleb, we've already kind of built together a task team that's going to attack this podcast project. And I tell them right right off the bat, you guys are steps ahead and that's going to make things extremely better. Because even though they're coming to us for post-production help, even just having a point person in their company who's going to upload the files, who's going to schedule the Zoom calls with people that they're interviewing, making sure you know, the microphones are all set up. And I have some people that if it's a higher profile interview, or they're really, really particular about the quality, they're drop shipping microphones, right, right from Amazon to the person they're interviewing. So I don't think you can underestimate how important it is to delegate at least one person to head up the podcasting within your company. The size of the team is obviously going to depend on the scope of the project and the size of your company as well. But I highly advise whether you're a five-person company or a a 5,000-person company, at least delegate one person to start the research, start the process, and really take ownership of that. And then that will really help spearhead and get that project moving along. So I think that's a very important point. So Resonate, obviously, is industry-leading from a post-production standpoint, but also you provide content strategy to companies all over, small business through enterprise. And I was wondering if you might talk through a little bit of 
I'm assuming that throughout time, you've created a bit of a roadmap or a template for how you help clients think about a content strategy. And I'm wondering if you might talk through a little bit of what does that look like? So those who are trying to imagine a show or a program or a campaign, where do they get started? What are the kind of questions they should be asking themselves to define things like that? Yeah, that's a great question. As you mentioned, we, we've we rolled out our what we call our producer support services or our producer services, where basically we are not just doing the post-production piece of the audio engineering, the editing, mixing, and the mastering, but actually helping plan out and strategize the season or the entire podcast or specific episodes and really writing that content. We were getting a lot of requests for those type of things. And last June, we actually fully produced our first podcast from beginning to end and released it. And it, it was an external show that hit number one in all of Apple. It was a investigative true crime podcast. And so kind of after that, you know, we're like, okay, we certainly feel like we have the chops to be able to do that. So I think the first thing it really starts with is kind of figuring out what the goal is of the podcast. What's the purpose of it? <laughs> like what type of engagement? As Caleb mentioned, the one client that decided to really go and engaging and actually do a storytelling style internal podcast for their employees. That looks very different than an interview style podcast. So I think knowing what's the format going to be, how that's going to engage with your listeners or your your employees and then another piece is is kind of figuring out what works best as far as outlining or what we would call like storyboarding the podcast content. So I know for us, we kind of like to get figure out what's the beginning and the end, or I like to personally figure out what's the beginning and the end. What are we covering in this season or what are we covering in this series of the podcast? What's the content we have and kind of how does it fit into the seasonal arc or the main kind of theme that we're going to hit on or really kind of hammer home. And then from there, kind of knowing, being able to go in and know, okay, what what do you have in this, this episode? I like to kind of think of it as big picture, looking at it, what's the beginning and end and kind of the middle for the entire season, and then zooming in on each episode and thinking, okay, what's what's our open, what's our close, and what's kind of the main summary of the climax of this episode and then kind of figuring out all the in-between pieces, I, I think those usually, at least in my experience, kind of come together once you've kind of figured out the beginning and the end. But with that being said, there's a lot of freedom. We have some clients that like to have their entire season and their entire episode scripted out word for word. And then we have some clients that they prefer just having a loose outline or just kind of a general even idea of what it's going to be. So I think that's one of the cool things about podcasting is there's a lot of freedom to kind of do what works best for you and what works best for your guest or your co-host or anything like that. So it's not a, unfortunately a one size fits all for even kind of planning or strategizing or doing the pre-production or the producing of the podcast. Yeah, I think that one of my favorite things about the medium is just sort of what you finished on there, which is there is not a one size fits all and there is not a single best way to do it. Whether you are doing episodic podcasts, serialized, if you're doing short form or long form, there's value in every one of those. It really comes back to what is, we have this conversation with our clients as well, which is what are you trying to achieve? Let's start there. And then let's come up with a plan on how to achieve it. And there isn't a single metric. Oh, make sure you strive for 77% completion of every episode or something like that, or making sure that 93% 
of your audience logs in and consumes it. You know, those metrics are great, but they're always relative to the company, the type of show, etc. That being said, I would love to circle back to a little something you said on post-production, since you are the experts on the call in that. My analogy to this would be, I, I play golf. I don't know if y'all play golf, but I play a lot of golf. And I watch a lot of golf. And one of the things that I always hear announcers say, like Nick Faldo or something, will say, well, you know, the number one thing between the high handicap and the low handicap is putting or how they play sand traps or something. You know, they'll pick some very specific narrow item that they'll say, really, that's, that's the difference between being a 20 and being an eight, which if anybody does golf, that's a significant difference. And so I'm wondering from your experience, is there something as it relates to, I mean, it can be either in the content realm or the post-production, maybe one from both, that you think if you dial in on this one particular aspect, you may not be pro-grade right off the bat, but you'll really, that's a quantum leap difference. Maybe it's something you've already mentioned, but just kind of framing it in that idea of, of there's this one narrow item that can really separate bad from pretty good or something along those lines. I'll take a stab at one quick thing, and then I, I would definitely want Jacob to chime in. The one thing that comes to my mind is the word authenticity. The people that are listening to you, whether you do a, an amazing amount of work in post-production cleanup or not, they're going to know if you're being real and authentic and really, you're really caring to get your message across. And ultimately, hopefully one of the goals of your message is to somehow help that person, whether it's training or motivation or inspiration, right? And so I think truly, and this comes in all sorts of forms, you know, voice inflection, just really, really communicating to that person that's listening to your message that you care about them in one way or another, but doing your best to be authentic and not fake and scripted and just reading a script and just saying, oh, I'm just checking this box off. I got to record this podcast and train my sales team, right? But it's been like, no, I really want to help my sales team succeed today. And I'm going to help them do that by being very real, being very authentic. I think that to me is something that stands out. And then Jacob, I'll let you tack onto that. Yeah, I think that is really important, the level of authenticity. And I think that plays into the listeners feeling that deep sense of connection, like they're, you know, they're there with you, like they feel that sense of authenticity and sincereness in the story or in the behind the scenes of what they're experiencing. I'll say on the recording side of things, I know for me, it's like, I think recording quality is probably the most important thing, at least when it comes to post-production. And that sounds weird because that's not a part of the post-production. But if your quality recorded is not good, it's going to be hard to like fix that in post. And that's something that a lot of people fall into the trap of thinking, oh, we'll fix it in post, fix it in post, fix it in post. But you'll save yourself a lot of time and a lot of headache if you fix it whenever you're recording instead. So I think that goes into knowing your equipment well, knowing how to use your equipment, ensuring you have a lot of things that are actually free, correct microphone technique, making sure your levels are correct and you're not distorting or you're not too quiet. So all the noise in the noise floor in the background are coming in, making sure you have a correct environment so that you're like HVACs off or that you're in a room that's not super echoey. So I think the recording piece for me, again, it kind of comes back to dialogue is king, right? People are listening to you. And while we love like heavily produced shows that have a ton of sound design and sound effects and music that make you feel like you're really a part of it. At the end of the day, I think the most important thing for podcasting is is the dialogue. And so making sure that that's clean and clear and you're recording it at a good level, I think is probably the most important thing in my mind. 
I love that. I love the idea of getting back to the the content and obviously the quality of it and that sense of authenticity. I think that really speaks a lot to it. You know, a word that I use a lot at your studio is is passion. One of the areas that ultimately pulls me into a number of conversations and calls with customers isn't necessarily my being in marketing or what have you, but it has to do with my passion for podcasting. It's probably the number one medium that I use personally and did long before I joined you studio. I'm just an avid listener. I, I find it to be incredibly convenient. I love the variety of formats. And then just from entertainment to news to tech into to, you know, long form interviews and just runs the gamut there. And, and so it's having that passion that tends to, interestingly enough, qualify me because I just consume so much, you know, it's that sort of that idea of 10,000 hours, not only doing, but also 10,000 hours of listening. And you just start to pick up these interesting pattern matching, even if you don't mean to, and, and how that can then be replicated. And so I think y'all spoke earlier on talking about if you're going to build a team, I'm a big believer that if you're going to build a team, try to find somebody on that team who really enjoys podcasting, you know, and, and I think that that will be infectious. Do, do you find that as well with the internal stakeholders and groups that you work with in your customer list? Yeah, I, I think that's a very, very simple but powerful point that you bring up is they choose somebody on your team that is passionate about podcasting. But let's step back even one one step earlier. Jacob and I have done presentations and talks at lunch groups or lunch and learns or, or whatever, networking groups. And I remember one we did a few months ago and we kind of dove right into Jacob and Caleb and Resonate and you know our company and our success and then how we can help people. And about 10 minutes into the talk, a gentleman, albeit a little older, but he raised his hand and said, excuse me, guys, but what is a podcast? Can you tell me what a podcast is? And so I think it's just important for us to realize, you know, we're deep in this industry and the industry is exploding immensely. But it's so easy for us to think that everybody knows what a podcast is, but that's just not the case. And so I think, yes, Neil, to your point, like get somebody on your team who not only is is passionate about podcasting, but kind of just generally understands the concept and the and the medium of podcasting. Because I think also you're going to have the older generation, the older executive managers, the older C-suite kind of saying, okay, what's the point of podcasting or, or why should we podcast, right? And so just kind of breaking it down very simply and even using the simple analogy of, well, I can't read your executive email or your executive summary while I'm mowing the lawn or driving home from work at least safely I can't, but I can listen to it and I can listen to your authentic, real voice and kind of breaking it down to them in simplified terms. And then, yeah, again, just, I, I think you bring up an amazing point. Just make sure the team that you're delegating is not only passionate about the idea, but familiar with the concept and how to communicate that. And really they need to be the champion in their organization, championing that that idea. And I, I just dealt with another call the other day where he's an executive sales rep for a large company. And he's like, Caleb, I understand podcasting, but I'm trying to sell it to upper management and it's proven a little difficult. And so getting those internal champions and getting them to translate that message to people who don't even, quite frankly, some people still aren't even sure what podcasts are. So, so that's a good point. Ooh, could we double click on that just for a second? As you're helping build coalitions... I wonder, is there a particular aspect, one, maybe two, that you feel is, is the most compelling for helping your clients and would-be clients to build those internal coalitions into, I'm, I'm sure anyone out there who's like, okay, well, I really want a podcast. I'm passionate about it. I've got an idea of the season, what have you, but you know, I got to get 
my director, my VP on board. How do you coach that? I mean, do you have do you have a couple of quick tips on that? Yeah, one idea, and this is maybe a couple steps ahead, but it's proved very effective. We're actually doing it currently with a large pharmaceutical company where her and her HR team, and actually the VP of HR, he's bought into podcasting internally. We're working with them on translating all their onboarding and HR documentation into really engaging internal podcasts. And so one of the things we told them is, and I literally said this, I said, guys, do you realize like that three ring binder (laughs) that is going to be hard to get people to read, you're sending them home with that. We can turn that into a really engaging podcast and your company encourages people to be healthy and work out. And you literally can encourage them to be healthy and work out and work out on the treadmill all the while consuming, engaging what is otherwise normally boring HR onboarding documents. And so to answer your question, Neil, one of the things we encourage people to do is is do more of a pilot series or a pilot project and say, hey guys, don't get consumed with a 26 episode year long project. Let's just do like a three episode pilot series. And maybe even start with one pilot episode where we we do it for them, where we add sound design, we help them script it, we take some of their existing written content and turn it into a very engaging audio piece. And then we say, hey, let your management team hear this. And in this case, it's hearing is believing. And so just that idea of more of a pilot project, pilot episode, maybe one episode or maybe just a six episode pilot project. But again, doing those one or two examples where they give us their written content. And Zoe, I just want to cap on this again, because I think it's a great point you made earlier. Guys, you don't need to reinvent the content wheel. So many times I'll be on calls with people and they'll kind of come to me with, Caleb, I'm not sure where to start with content. And I'll immediately direct them to their blog or resources page on their website. And I said, guys, you've got a whole ton of content right here that we can help you craft into very, very engaging stories. So yeah, that idea of just starting small, the Wright brothers didn't jump in a 747. They they flew, I think, 12 feet to start, right? And so let's just start with one or two episodes, hearing is believing, and then we'll take the next step. That's awesome. I'm communicating with Zoe offline here saying, you know, okay, I'm done. You can you can have the mic back. And then I go, oh, wait, no, he just said something I have to ask him about, <laughs> which, which just happened again. So full transparency here. And I know we're getting up close to time and I, I want to be respectful to both of you. But the other item that since we're talking about customer success and really, you know, making sure that we are enabling clients and or anyone really, anyone, whether they're our clients or not, just in general. And because podcasting is still cutting edge. It's still early adoption. And, and there are those who are either experimenting or they have that passionate internal champion and what have you. But you have to promote podcasting, right? And I'm curious as to, for internal clients, how do you coach them? Obviously, you want that content to be consumed, a good uh, a show that is consumed and has great audience participation. Oh, let's do another season. So that's, that's, that's great on both sides. But how do you coach them on promotion? Because uh, a lot of times that medium is being used to fill in gaps where others maybe are falling short. You know, we're getting inundated by email. Hey, how about we take advantage of that lost time on the windshield and take advantage of the audio, the strength of audio communication over written word, but you have to promote it. And I wonder do you coach your clients on promotion? And what are some things that someone listening to this podcast might go, oh, okay, no, that, that's a great idea. Let me, let me follow that to try to boost this show or shows. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm thinking of a few things. One is the idea of internal podcasting. One of the great aspects of internal podcasting or one of the great uses of internal podcasting would be bottom-up 
as far as whose voices you're hearing. And so a lot of times it's only the C-suite's voice that is heard, or it's the executive management team, or it's your boss, and you're only hearing their voice. But what about that guy that just started last week, that new hire? What's his story? What about Mrs. Smith, who six months ago adopted a baby from another country? Like hearing those stories from the bottom up, I think is is going to be a way because then you've got they're already engaged because you're you're literally interviewing them, right? And so they're starting to champion the cause, and then your management is like, oh man, we're engaging our employees; they're loving this. Their stories are being heard in a real, authentic way, and other employees are hearing their stories. And so together, you're not only engaging employees, but then you're building company culture, which is priceless right now. And so you're building that team camaraderie. So I think that's one way to promote it. Another way too, and this may sound silly or simple, but gamify your internal podcast and say, hey, sales manager, if your podcast gets more downloads than HR's podcast, lunch is on us next week, right? Like turn it into internal promotions, internal competitions, Humans are, are born to be competitive or created to be competitive. And so gamifying it, adding a competitive analysis to it. And I'm sure, I, I think you Studios platform can track engagement metrics, downloads, analytics, and things like that. And so making it fun, making it competitive. But again, starting one of the things I think is getting those bottom-up employees to really buy into it, I think is going to be a big way because they'll naturally promote it, right? And then again, like I said, management will be like, man, this is, we're killing two birds with one stone here. And so I think then it'll just naturally flow. So hopefully that sort of answered your question. Yes, yes, most definitely. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. And that's the beauty, like you said, of analytics. You know, with Studio, we have named user analytics. So you can see exactly who is listening and for how long. So like you said, you could go reward those people or dig into maybe why they aren't engaging as they should. Well, I want to be respectful of y'all's time. I guess to end, I just thought it would be fun to ask if you have any horror stories over at Resonate and maybe one that involves an enterprise podcast, I'm not sure if you if you have a scenario like that at top of mind, but just a fun story to wrap up that maybe could be, you know, have a learning point in there for us. Yeah. So the one I'm thinking of specifically is actually for a podcast we were producing for the Associated Press. So they, they were actually a lot of times traveling. It was a sports themed podcast and we're traveling overseas and and stuff like that. And one of the places they were in was actually Russia for, I think it was the Olympics. They were over there and they were actually using Zencaster to record and, and Zencaster was kind of an important part of our recording process for them. And unfortunately, the the government in Russia actually blocked Zencaster from being able to be used. And so we weren't able to use Zencaster. Thankfully, we were able to, we had a kind of a plan B option and we were able to achieve that. And so I think that's a really important thing I know for us is always having a backup or at least a plan B of something specifically whenever it comes to the recording process, because you never know whenever something's going to crash or something may get blocked or anything like that. So obviously know, know what the local rules and regulations are if you are traveling. But, you know, just, yeah, I think it's important to have to have a backup even just a little plug. We have like a, a Resonate recorder that's just a local recorder online that's a free thing. And, and I'm recording my audio through that just in case something happens with Zencaster if your audio, you know, audio cuts out. So that's one thing I think that, that's a valuable lesson. Yes. Well, thanks for having my back in that aspect. 
Okay. Well, it was so great having you on and learning from you. I definitely learned some new things to keep in mind and to have your perspective just as two guys who have who have a lot of experience producing podcasts that cover all types of topics. I think it was very interesting. So thanks again. And for everyone listening here at Studio, we hope to uh, continue just to bring on thought leaders and Studio customers of ours that have great best practices or, or stories to share. So we hope this was helpful and we hope everyone has a great day. Thanks for having us, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.